Hi, everybody. This is Tracy, and I'm delighted you've joined me for this episode of Good Life Stories. I created this podcast because I believe we are all seeking connection, and what better way to do that than through story? So get ready. These stories are meant to suck you in. Welcome to Good Life Stories. So my guest today is Marla Azinger. Marla is a lot of things. I have known her for a very, very long time. And the conversation you're going to get to sit in on is ranging from what she learned training guide dogs and how that helped her relationship as well as her family relationships and what it's like to live with ghosts. Okay, so the question I want to ask you first is is about your guide dog. When did you get a guide dog? What started that process? How did you know you wanted to get a guide dog? Yeah, okay. So we, Jim and I, my husband, were just out of the military. We moved to a new town. We didn't know anybody. And I kind of had this, I don't know, as soon as I left the army, I had this not an empty feeling, but there just weren't as many people around us anymore. And um, we didn't know anybody. Yeah. And one of the other things when I was in the military, when I lived in different towns, I kind of started to get this yearning to be part of those towns. So the military didn't give you that opportunity though, right? Because you're too busy with deployments, be it filled or or, um, world or whatever. So when we got out and moved here, I started to get that itch to like finally, you know, okay, now I'm living in a spot. So let's become part of the community. So I kind of looked at different things and I don't even know how it popped onto my radar, to be honest. Um, Other than uh, I love dogs. I never really had a dog uh, of my own. Um, Jim grew up with dogs. So I'm like, Hey, how about we do this? (laughs) And fortunately he's like, sure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So So we, um, we signed up for it and believe it or not, the, the day we were to pick up our dog, um, was nine 11 when the towers got, um, right. (laughs) So we didn't know. We're like, oh, my yeah. God, are we not going to get our dog? Planes are getting stopped and, you know, air traffic's coming to a halt. Um, fortunately, our dog already was en route. So Jim, actually, I stayed home because I wasn't sure if I was I, I needed to go to work or not. We all got an alert like, don't come to work yet. We don't know yeah. if they're going to be coming in or not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was so much going on that really day. It was crazy. crazy. So, um, you know, and then of course my emotions about like being former Intel in the military, I'm like, Oh my God, I should be like somewhere doing something, helping this. (laughs) It's just, it was nuts. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I'm like, I'm at home and Jim left and went and picked up the dog and it was really funny. He comes to the door. I open the door for him and he has this black bundle of a black lab in his arms. And they oh. both look droopy faced. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, is something wrong? And Jim's like, 
no. I'm like, he's super cute. And he's like, Jim, Jim's like, yeah, he's totally cute. But his name is Taz. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? You're upset over his name? <laughs> he's like, well, yeah. I was kind of hoping for some really cool name. And, you know, like Hunter or something. But instead we get Taz. And he's like, like, like that cartoon, like oh the Tasmanian gosh. devil. He's like, I'm like, ah, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. So we uh, brought Taz into the house and Taz was great for me um, and good for Jim. He liked having a dog around. I learned, we learned so much um, by reading all the stuff that Guide Dogs for the Blind gave us on how to raise them properly and by attending the classes. Um, I, I can't say I grew up with positive reinforcement and praise and that's um what i really learned there i know it sounds sounds sad it's like i wasn't like didn't have a horrible life growing up but you know it it just taught me that in order to reinforce behavior you want to just positive praise they didn't even allow Mm -hmm. like clicky things or cookies or anything like that um, it was positive praise, like literally just talking right. to that dog and praising them when they did the right thing. Um, wow. And of course, you know. Well, because if you think about it, yeah, if you think about it, that's, you know, you can't have a dependence on a thing that you could drop or food that you might run out of. Like you can't, you know, you're never going right? to run out of your voice. So um, that's amazing. So there, there are, of course, leash corrections and things like that. There are some negative things you do, but you try and um, yeah. it also taught us to be aware of our what was going on around us and what the dog was doing because you could literally pretty quickly learn to predict what that dog was thinking. <laughs> and so you, yeah. you, could, you could see his wheels start to think of like, I am going to grab the corner of that couch and I am going to yank on it. And you can see them and the energy going <laughs> towards it. Uh, so they did teach us, you know, do a, a quick yank um, on the collar and tell them to leave it. Yeah. So we did that. But then of course, yeah. once they, they stopped and were like, oh, then you praise the heck out of them because they didn't do it. You praise the praise the praise them. So it it was yeah. awesome. It, um, I am convinced that if anybody wants to have a child, they should have to raise a guide dog <laughs> because it teaches them. Oh, I think that would be the best training. It, and best I, training we don't ever. have kids, so I can't. Um, I I don't know if I can or can't say that one hundred percent, but I do believe it would teach parents how to balance out that positive praise and um, with the corrections and, and really when to to try and correct a kid and and, and stop anything drastic from happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, right. You can't put a kid in a in a kennel, but you can put him in timeout and the same so the same rules kind of apply. <laughs> <laughs> so it it was great. So I, that's all right. I was going to ask hmm. you. Yeah. Have you ever read the book? Don't shoot the dog. I have not. And, um, I, caught... 
it's actually an awesome book. It's very thin, but it's talking all about the concepts you're talking about. It was written by an animal oh. trainer. And the, she talks about training dolphins and dogs and humans and chickens. So it's, it's very fun. It is probably very <laughs> useful then. And, and it should be required reading for all parents. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's the book I want to buy parents, but I feel weird giving them when they have a baby. You know, it's like, don't shoot the dog. It's like, well, no, I'm not actually telling you, you should shoot your dog, but just maybe read this and it'll give you some ideas. And it's well, it is funny. It's true, though, and if pe- unfortunately people get so sensitive at times. But even when my nieces and nephews were yeah. around after we had trained that first guide dog, I would use the same exact principles. And every once in a while, my siblings yeah. would be like, "Did you just use a dog command on them?" And I'm like, "It worked." And they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's wrong? It worked. Come on. <laughs> my dog knows English just oh like God. your kids. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast yesterday about a woman who has trained her dog and basically has like buttons that her dog can push that can talk to her. Oh, that's- so like she's actually trained her dog has like a vocabulary of like 50 words. Dogs are so smart. So it's absolutely they, they're smartest as heck. Yeah. Um, like, oh. and, you know, Jim likes to say a recent yeah. Norse our dog um, our guide dog actually graduated and yeah. went to a priest who worked in the prison so he was a busy busy puppy. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but our current one is so you had Taz, and Taz got adopted to the he priest did. in the prison. Then um, what? We actually did another guide dog right after that. Um, honestly, probably too early because I didn't realize how hard it would be to give up the dog. <laughs> that sounds totally silly, yeah. but um, I think I grew so attached no. to it because Jim was, at the time, he ended up going through three, he was gone for three months out of the year because he ended up going to police academy. And so I had the dog with me. He went to work with me. He was at home with me. He went shopping with me. He went everywhere. So that dog became, I didn't realize it kind of like really became my best friend. So when we gave him away, it really, I, I literally developed an eye twitch. Um, And I had this this nervous eye twitch for like two months um, after we gave it away. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was, it was hard, but it wasn't, it didn't stop me from doing it again because it was such a great service to blind people. Oh Uh, yeah. So we actually signed up another one and got another one pretty quickly. And I kind of felt bad because I was like, uh, my heart was still with Taz. So I felt kind of bad um, that I I I think I like wasn't attaching to the new one as much at first because of that, Um, but eventually the second one he was golden retriever named Newsom, and he uh, oh my gosh his his spirit was like a a new soul he was like a young hyper kid kind (laughs) of and. 
And And I hear people say that about, oh, all retrievers are that way. But no, you can train retrievers. (laughs) And we did, we did train Newsom, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But he was so strong willed and um, just new soul with everything. Um, I actually around nine months old is when they first kind of started assessing I'm going to take them back. And I was a little concerned because I'm like, I even traded them off with other guide dog people, you know, to make sure that they get proper training and I'm not screwing them up. <laughs> and yeah. Were, yeah. But he just, um, fortunately, the leader of the group, when we did the assessment around 10 months, she was like, no, he's he's not going to make it. She's like, if we took him to guide dog school for the the final training phase, they would break his spirit. And that made me feel so much better about the Mm. program, knowing that they don't really want to break a dog's spirit. They just want to train them. If that's really, if they're meant to do it, that's, that's what they do. So I was relieved. Um, And then we had the opportunity to adopt him. So we adopted him because we're like, well, I'm not letting him go now. Uh, so yeah, we adopted him and he was smart as a whip too. I, um, I had PTSD or have PTSD from a military experience and he became, um, a vital source for me through my roughest years of it. And, uh, before I even knew I had yeah. it. So he, um, yeah. was waking me up. I slept with him on the bed because my husband was on swing shift. So I'd always let him sleep on the bed with me when he was gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was my buddy. Um, but he. Benefits for the dog of swing, right? swing shift. <laughs> he gets to be on the bed, but he would wake me up from nightmares. Yep. Um, so I, unfortunately I had very, very gross, um, <laughs> nightmarish terrifying nightmares and he would pull me out of them so he became my my buddy he also like he detected cancer on jim's nose once um and jim kept thinking i was full of it but he never used to do it all of a sudden he started sniffing him there and wouldn't stop sniffing him every day he'd sniff at it and I'm like, you need just go get it checked out. And sure enough, he had cancer on his nose there. And so they got that taken care of. But he was just really smart. Dogs are so smart. Um, yeah. it, it amazes me. It, they are. And now we've got Norse. And he's not um, He's yeah. not a guide dog. We, I debated doing guide dogs after Newsom. But um, it turned into a personal thing where I'm kind of needy. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized I need my own yeah. dog. So um, I got, yeah, right. <laughs> Selfish, but um, yeah. I got Norse and now he's learning Welsh with me. So back to that language thing. Excellent. Yeah. No one, no one else, uh, Jim doesn't want to learn Welsh with me. And so finally I was like, well, I need someone to learn it with me <laughs> and practice it on. Um, so exactly. he, Yeah, he's been learning. He's been learning Welsh. He knows how to come to me when I call him in Welsh and he knows what it means if I'm going to make breakfast for him in Welsh. (laughs) He's learning. It's good practice. It is. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's how we, uh, back to the guide dogs, it was a sense of community and wanting to originally be part of a community and contributing in some manner. 
that's how we yeah. got started with it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. And so you said now, since we're talking about your lovely hubby a little bit, said that your that your love story with Jim is complex. I loved that you said that you crossed paths until you collided. <laughs> so t- tell me more. Like how I don't even know really how you guys met. Like I realized like I knew you at the time, but I don't think I knew how oh, you that's met. That's crazy. Him. That is crazy that you don't know that story. So I'm kind of weird to begin with. I <laughs> so I yeah, I, right. I know that. So through life, I've had weird things happen. And one of the things when I was in college, which is just so out of place, but I was talking with a friend who was dating a guy from Pennsylvania. And I had this weird thing just like in my face go, your husband's in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, what do I do with that? I'm like, how in the hell am I going to meet? somebody from Pennsylvania, if my husband is in Pennsylvania, um, I, yeah, yeah. that's not helpful. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I always knew, um, early on that I, I'm the type of person that I, I want, um, uh, <clears throat> partner, you know, a best friend in life. I, I wanted to be married. So I was like, okay, whatever. And I just, at that point I said, okay, don't know what to make of it. So I literally just kind of forgot about it. I threw it aside, whatever. So yeah, fast forward several years and I graduate college with a degree in military science and linguistics. And I go into the military as an officer and go to Fort Huachuca, Arizona for my initial training as an officer. And while we're there, we both did what's called light fighter PT and it's uh, there's normal PT where everybody exercises. And then there was light fighter PT for um, all the folks that were going to go to light infantry units. And so they could kind of beat you up in an extra special way (laughs) in the morning. Right. (laughs) um, Extra bonus features. From the light infantry, you're welcome. Yeah. So we had <laughs> we had that PT program, and I wasn't in it quite yet. I was in the normal PT, and while Jim first noticed me, we had this kind of a crazy captain in charge of our PT program, even for the normal PT. And I don't know what happened, but one day he got so mad, <laughs> and I, we have no idea what he was really mad about. But he decided we were going to do jumping jacks yeah. for a half hour straight. So, (laughs) and it was at the end of the, of the workout. So we're all still doing jumping jacks. I mean, you see all these other platoon classes leaving the fields around us and unbeknownst to me at the time, this is a story I learned later. Jim actually with a couple other guys had stopped and decided to watch our class doing the jumping jacks. And he watched my ass. He was like, I thought you had a really nice ass, so I just stood there watching it. I'm like, <laughs> are, you, are you serious? So I still hadn't met him at the time. Then I went to Light Fighter PT, and he was in Light Fighter PT. And um, the commander, the captain of that group was like, okay, we're going to put you in front next to this guy. And this guy was Jim. Um, and I just looked at him and I'm like, okay, whatever. And the guy's like, he likes to run really fast sometimes. He's like, but we're going to put you next to him. Um, I'm like, oh, to slow him down. He's like, no, to be his rabbit. 
because you will eventually be running faster right. than him. And I know he'll keep chasing after you. And I'm like, <laughs> like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> whatever. Let's just uh, do our PT program. Okay. So I still didn't yep. give any um, notice to Jim, to be quite honest, when we were running. Um, in like, yeah, he was yeah. just there. I'm I'm there. I am there. Goal purpose oriented of becoming an officer in the military. Blah. You know, I'm like I don't care about dating yeah. all the time. I'm like I'm just I'm there for work. Um. So we crossed paths there twice in that weird way, and then once we were at, we both got stationed at Fort Drum, New York. I was not originally supposed to go there. I was supposed to go to Bragg, yeah. and someone said, "Hey." You fit the bill for light infantry. We need to insert a female into the second infantry grade as the first female in the staff infantry. And I'm like, oh, okay, um, sure, why not? <laughs> Sounds like a great right? <laughs> So we're both there. Time yep. goes on. We end up at a big briefing up in headquarters, division headquarters, and a friend of mine, another female lieutenant, is like, oh, I'd like to introduce you to Jim Azinger. And we both look at each other, and she's like, this is Marla, Marla Jerns. I, I want you to meet each other. I think you guys would get along really good. And we both look at each other, and we're like, eh. Like, Ugh. <laughs> we're really like, <laughs> I know him already. Well, I, I didn't even recognize him. I don't know if he recognized me either, but we just were like, eh. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Like, whatever. And her friend's like, you guys should talk more. And we're like, yeah, okay, nice meeting you. And we walk separate ways. (laughs) Hey, man, I I was goal-oriented. I was working. I was focused on work. And I think he was, too. I don't don't know. Um, And then we go. We both get put on a local TDY to Fort Bragg, a temporary duty. And at that location... um, I was so frustrated because I was attached to a captain I already knew, but it was a a little Intel cell we're working in and he would not use me. Like literally I would sit there on my ass day after day and I do not like sitting on my ass and I wanted work to do, right? (laughs) I wanted to use my brain, but he kept giving everything to Jim. Like, Everything went to Jim and that made me like, not like him even more. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> oh, my right? God, I love here's it. this big buff blonde dude that, you know, <laughs> he's smart and captain's just going to use him and I'm not going to get any chance to like prove myself. Yeah. So uh, eventually we were talking like on the third day and I'm like, I, I told him cause all of a sudden he's like, they're, initiating conversation with me and I'm like well I'm kind of pissed because I'm not I don't get to do anything and so he gave me some of this work he was doing which and then he let me give it to the captain which in turn ended up I started getting to do some work I'm like oh okay maybe he's not that bad of a guy (laughs) I thought he was an asshole at first I guess you're okay yeah. Right. So I literally, I, I really did think he was an asshole. He looked grumbly. He didn't have a smile. And I'm like, okay, this guy's an asshole and I have to work with him, but not really because I'm not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I, uh, I actually decided he wasn't a bad guy after that. 
Um, and then later on during that deployment, yeah. we got to go, you know, out cause it was local and the weekend came. And so a group of yeah. us, including him went out and another, a uh, couple female officers that were there and we went to a country club and well, first we went to eat. I ate his dessert. Yeah. I started to warm up to him yes. a little bit to the point I ate his dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any money. I was so broke. It was ridiculous. I was living in an apartment that basically, yeah, yep. by you that like took all my money. Um, so I just, I, and my school yep. loans, I was still paying off school loans. So I'm like sitting there, right. Eyeing his dessert. And he was so nice. Cause I'm like, he's like, do you want a bite? I'm like, Would you mind? I'm like, no. So I take a bite <laughs> and I ended up devouring probably like at least half of his dessert. The guy was, the guy, I decided the guy was hard. <laughs> he had mercy on me and gave me a nice chocolatey treat. Um, and then we went dancing. And from there it was um, pretty much, uh, I don't know. We turned into best friends really fast. We ended up hanging out with each other, like at all our free time after that. Yeah. The first week, I think, that I met him, I was like, oh, I think I actually like him, but I don't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to date a guy anymore if they didn't know who I really was, because I really, my whole life kind of yeah. hid who I was a lot. So I I opened yeah. the yeah. closet of skeletons, literally. I'm like, um, if you want to date me, wow. he's like, yeah, I think I do. And I'm like, well, let me just tell you about me. So I opened the skeleton closet and told him about the rough parts of my upbringing to include, I, I can yeah. see ghosts and feel them and hear them. <laughs> he did not yeah. run away. And he didn't <laughs> run away. Good job, Jim. Wow. I, I mean, I seriously expected him to be like, do that slow distance. <laughs> Kind of like, yeah, the, the slow backing yeah, right. up of like, hey, that's yeah. nice. And then the next day, yeah, uh, I got to do more work. I'm not going to be able to go do anything. Uh, but <laughs> exactly, we're going to go do something. Yeah. But never mind. Never mind. So yeah, yeah we went from uh, crossing paths yeah. to literally colliding <laughs> in a at a ty, yeah. and then from there it was like. So when did you find out he was from Pennsylvania? Oh, my God. Not until um, it was several weeks in winter. For some reason, I can't remember the moment. It, we were at uh, my apartment, and the, he was saying goodbye to me in the doorway, and it was just like piles of snow outside. And we were talking. Yeah. Oh, I think he must have been telling me he was going to go home the following weekend. And I asked where, and he's like, right. Pennsylvania. And I'm like, and it just like hit me. I'm like, no way. It hit you. Right? Oh. <laughs> I was like, seriously. I'm like, do I do I do? You're like, oh, well, I wasn't quite there yet, but. Oh. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I just was like, okay, this this might might be it. And he already felt like my best friend, like the best friend yeah. I I really never had best yeah. friend growing up. I had friends, but I never had best no. friend. And I'm like, this yeah. guy's already like my best friend. Nothing like, nothing like Jim. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, you want to come with me? Like, sure. So 
Yeah, so I found my husband <laughs> that was in Pennsylvania, believe it or not, uh, in the army. <laughs> oh my gosh, how funny. Right? How funny, I love it. I love it. Okay, so one of the things you put down, like we were talking about stuff, like, you know, of things that had happened. So I loved it, like, just like the when you said you grew up around dead people. Mm. I loved the way you put that because I would never have thought of you describing your gifts that way. Like, yeah, I grew up with dead people. Like, how do you grow? Like, I mean, though, of course, the especially funny part was your dad's yes. business. So yeah, I'm thinking, well, that's kind of a two layered comment, but I don't think it's about the dad's business. Thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's all, it's all intermingled really. Cause, um, yeah, my dad owned yeah. a funeral home. And so quite physically, I grew up around dead people. Um, and Physically, you grew up yeah, around dead people. And yeah. I'd go into the funeral home and get to see people I don't know laying there in a casket. And even whenever yeah. a relative died, every single relative that died, of course, I attended the f- their funeral and got to see open casket right. <laughs> of people. And I remember, though, looking at them and feeling like there's no one home and they're not there, except for then yeah. once you get an empty right. vessel. And then once you go into the, well, sometimes they have a mass, but then they also have the, the part where everybody says, well, not everybody, but people stand up and say things about them. That's when I would feel their spirit. Around. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, their, their spirit's yeah. there. Um, but yeah, as far as, so physically I did. And then, um, when I was five, I, I saw my first ghost and I was sitting in our first house that we lived in, which was horribly haunted. Um, (laughs) was that the one that was up by, was that the one that was up by home? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. That little orange cinder block house. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It's not there I anymore. Know. It's gone. I know. It's gone oh now. my God. So it's <laughs> so, so freaking haunted. Our parents always thought it was like a treat, you know, and they wanted to segregate us because we only had all of us girls shared one room and they didn't want when we got sick to get the other sick. So they'd put us out, make us right. sleep on the couch, but you have the couch living room area and then down the a very short hallway where the entrance was led to a big, what we call the playroom. And the playroom is obviously yeah. what it, where we played. But when you lay on the couch at night, you would hear so much crap shifting around in there and like, like metal and yeah. fabric and just weird noises. It was so haunting. And my sister would hear <laughs> even the phone get used at night. It's like someone would be talking on it. It was, it was creepy, but oh I know it. So it sucked being older, but um, I don't really remember hearing or seeing the ghosts out there if that was before I saw the, the first ghost or not. Um, but yeah. I was yeah. learning to read. I just, for some reason, reading was so hard for me. I, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't enjoy it. Um, so my mom got these yeah. other books that weren't in the school and she'd sit up with me before bedtime. Everybody else was in bed and she'd sit there with me for five to 10 minutes and we'd read. Well, she found books I actually found interesting. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, cool. So 
Right. Um, I'm sitting there learning. Too. Oh, this is right? okay. <laughs> I actually like this. And so we're sitting there reading and all of a sudden I just like, I don't know if I just stopped reading because I got to the end of a sentence and looked up or what, but for some reason, both my mom and I looked up at the same time and I see this big gray figure of a, a lady in a big, long, long dress, like kind of old pioneer kind of style. Yeah. Like a costume in that yeah. sense, like what you'd think um, of. Yeah. Walk around the corner into the hallway. And I'm like, oh, I look at my mom and I'm like, did you just see that? And she, she looks at me and she's like, I did. I'm like, so you saw that lady ghost. I did. But you're never to repeat it again. And I'm like, well, why? And she's like, people will think you're crazy. And you don't want to be shunned yep. like that. So you are never to repeat it. You never talk about it. You never think about it. She's like, just put it out of your mind. I'm like, oh, okay. Pretty powerful stuff at right? five. So I think that's the impetus of, of me, like, really hiding who I am for so long. Yeah. I think I didn't. Yeah. I, I think there's maybe very few people, if any, that I, I, my siblings, I think I talked to about it maybe a little bit here and there because we all knew that freaking playroom was haunted as hell. Um, but <laughs> uh, other than that, I don't, I, honestly, I think my husband was really one of the first people I'm like, I'm done hiding. I'm so done. And I, yeah, just yeah. done. And so I told him, I'm like, if this is going to be real, I'm not going to. I'm not going to hide that from him because I just kind of was starting to get it. And even you couldn't, hmm? even though I told you couldn't, I couldn't have a, have a real relationship right. with him without him knowing you, that and accepting exactly. It. And I didn't, I didn't want to sabotage anything, so I told him. But even though I told him, even even still, I hid it from everybody else in the military. And then not until we we got out did I. I don't, yeah. it just kind of, um, I think I was forced for some reason once I got out of the military and I stopped, you know, having such hardened emotions, it became yeah. harder for me to ignore my abilities. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question thinking about like for, so just because your mom told you to stop paying attention to it doesn't mean that you stopped seeing things or hearing things or feeling things. Like, did you have like companions or like repeat visitors? Like, did you have anything like that as a child with your abilities? Like for seeing? I would, um, the seeing part is more rare. It's, it's pretty darn rare. I I have always, so after that point, um, I didn't really see, I could feel, and I could feel yeah. if something was in the room with me. I could feel what direction, like behind me or in front of me or to the side. And yeah, I could kind of hear, but it wasn't like audible hearing, like the playroom, haunted playroom. Where no, but you could sense yeah. it. Yeah, you had an understanding and a knowing. Yeah, there's like, yeah, there's like a knowing of, of stuff. I am here. Yeah. yeah. And then... um I had yeah. one during a bad time during high school. I had a really nasty, dark spirit. I don't want to say attack, but scared the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that one I saw. And at that point, I literally, 
I was like, oh my God, maybe I've been giving too much thought of this stuff or I don't know. And I really hadn't been, but it scared me so, <laughs> it scared me so bad. I grabbed the Bible and I started reading the Bible. I'm like, oh, please let this, like make this not come back. I was so scared. Anything. Yeah, anything. Oh. So I, and then it kind of, um, it kind of subsided, but not completely. I could still all throughout college. I knew that ability was still there. I would still feel them around me when yeah. I go places. And I, I swore up and down, yeah. I would never buy a used house. <laughs> I, do, I do not want a used house because I don't want to have to deal with some, some spirit running around in it. You don't want to have to have the clearing process every time. And that apartment yeah. building we lived in, this is the weird thing. Oh. That's <laughs> so, right. It was an old mansion <laughs> turned into apartment yep. buildings. I, there was something in the basement. And my apartment oh, was yeah. right above the basement. <laughs> and I, several times, I was like, oh, I feel it there. But for some reason, it didn't feel it didn't feel evil or wicked. So it didn't bother me. Yeah. And that was new to me. Cause unfortunately yeah. up until that point, I felt like every single spirit I'd come across was like something that scared me or made me feel really uncomfortable. Right. Um, but that one right. did not for some reason was not. How fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I love that. It doesn't surprise me at all. That was one of those. So like, so when you got out of the military and you were kind of better able to open up to this, you know, like, I mean, you obviously understood on some level before all this that you had, um, I'm trying to think of it like some level of control, like the, 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 even the grabbing the Bible thing, like you yeah. understood that if you did something that, that your interaction with the other side shifted, Yeah. like, was that part of like, what drew you to studying shamanism is that like kind of where did that yeah that 100 is because when we got out of the military i had this really weird event happen on um pearl harbor day and i didn't yeah. even realize it was that day memorialized day yeah. and i was laying in bed you know just kind of like waking up in the morning <laughs> and all of a sudden i was had this barrage, um, like a slideshow all of a sudden went, went across my eyes and it was like all of these sailors and some are covered in soot and sweaty and they had their uniforms and they all were in different disheveled kind of array. It was really weird. And I got this strong sense that I'm like, Oh my God, these are spirits that need help crossing over and I've never even studied anything like that. Right. And like, what in the hell? Right. And so I, <laughs> you're like, okay, know, right? now what? Well, all I to do is like, okay. Uh, kind of like Pennsylvania, like this is helpful, but what exactly am exactly. I supposed to do with this? It's random. Like I don't, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I, I prayed to Archangel Michael. I'm like, can you please help them? And as soon as I was done praying to Archangel Michael, the slideshow in front of my eyes stopped. And so I was like, okay, wow. there's something to that. And then I ended up, because I had some health issues after I got out of the military with my neck and shoulder, 
ended up going to yeah. a Reiki circle, which is like a, it's a right. Japanese healing method of channeling energy that heals. And I went to this circle of people that do this healing work. And there was also a guy that does djembe drumming healing. It was really, it was very different. It was nothing I'd ever seen before, but it was healing. Even just, it was superpower woo-woo, man. Exactly, you were in the woo-woo. Right? <laughs> it, it was, it felt great though. The energy there was good. And yeah, I always walked away feeling lighter and, um, like I was healing a little bit. So gal yeah. that ran it, she also taught shamanism courses, like in the way Mark Michael yeah. Harner um, has created. So I ended up, I took yeah. Reiki one and two from her and that was helping me with healing physically. And then I took the shamanism course from her. Uh, it, and it's a year long course. And I took it twice uh, just because there's that much to learn. <laughs> Um, but yeah. that is what taught me how to build boundaries and figure out uh, what I really wanted to do with my gifts and um, decide like, okay, how open do I want to be or how do I be open in this way and not this way? Um, so it, it taught me how to hone yeah. that skill and learn how to control it. Like you mentioned, like, how did I control it? And that's how I learned yeah. how to eventually control it. I don't always, like, I don't always have full control of it. Like, I'll be out in public and all of a sudden I'll feel something. But I now know how to be, like, block it off and go, I'm not here for that <laughs> or, or whatever. And and I feel like for you, that that's the piece that you've shared with me that I've found the most fascinating has been that kind of like the boundaries when you leave the house, like how do you show up into an environment that could have different elements within it that you may or may not want to receive energetically because you are more sensitive to those things than other people yeah. are. And it's so like, how do you do that? And, and, you know, and what are things that you need to, to table and say, Oh, Oh, that is for me just not now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's been the most fascinating to talk to you about. Yeah. So for a long time after I learned how to protect myself, no matter what, whenever I left the house, I would, I would grow that bubble of protection around me. And it's basically getting, I think it's your spirit is in you and I believe you can grow it and it can push on your aura and that aura, you know, can keep things at bay. And I did that a lot. Then I finally got more into the, okay, I know how I can do that on, on demand when I need to. So I didn't do it always when I left the house after that point. And I probably should do it right. a little bit more when yeah. I know I'm going somewhere that is berates my energy. Um, like, I don't know why, but if I go to, go to the mall, <laughs> it, it sucks my energy so fast. But yeah. so anyway, yeah, I, um, uh, I grow a boundary before I, I'm going to do something, but not always. And I, I learned how to create a boundary around my house and property as well um, to protect it. But I'm, I'm not always putting that up now. I'm a little more, um, one, I think I've naturally built something that kind of stays in place. Right. And two, there are times where I'm like, I, I am willing to help, you know, spirits that need an assistance crossing over if they're, good nature. They're not like a malevolent spirit just yeah. out to cause chaos and don't really have any interest in crossing over or 
living a (laughs) nice (laughs) life, if you put it that way. So, yeah. Exactly. The ones who are just a little lost and confused. Yeah, exactly. And so I'll get, I'll get visitors every once in a while um, that somehow through a friend or a family member know who I am. And when those pop up, I'll let them know. I'll acknowledge them and I'll kick them out of my house normally because and tell tell them they have to wait on the boundary and say, hey, if you want my help, you need to let people know that you know somehow to get to me to let me know who you are because I'm not just... I'm not just there to yeah, you don't just get to show entertain <laughs> spirits, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, I've had there's one though that I didn't and this was kind of funny. One showed up in my house, but it was so loving that and it was like fatherly grandpa grandpa-ly like energy and I'm like, "Hi." Yeah, grandpa. I don't energy. know who you you are, but I like your energy, so I'm not going to make you wait on the boundary, but I really would like to figure out who you belong to. Exactly. So you can at least convey the, Hey, they're good. Yeah. And he was here for two weeks and over (laughs) over that process while I was figuring out who he was, um, I was hosting a a little gathering for some spouses and I'm a celiac. So it was really out of character for me to go. I got it. I have to feed him pasta. There's just no way I, I, I cannot feed them lasagna. So, okay. I know. So I'm like, I, I have to feed them lasagna. And it was kind of before there was even easy ways to make gluten-free lasagna. So I'm like, I don't care. This is about right. them. They need the lasagna. So I went to Costco, yep. got the big thing of lasagna. <laughs> I fed them. Got the lasagna. Yep. Lasagna. So eventually I, you know, I texted my sister and I'm like, Hey, this is going on. I'm like, do you know anybody that maybe has an Italian dad or something that died recently? And right. she's like, well, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, um, all right. So this is what Give me a little help here. Man. Yeah. And so I told her, I told her what was going on and I'm like, she's like, well, okay, I'll talk to my friend and ask her some questions and, and stuff. And, Anyway, she gets back to me and she's like, yeah, we think it's her dad because he, no matter what, if there was company coming over, they had to have lasagna and he, he refused oh, to so let funny. anything but. So wow. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. So then I, then I approached him and he confirmed and we talked a little bit and he had some messages, which I don't remember anymore. When they give me messages, yeah. I get them and I pass them on. And I do have a journal where I write stuff stuff down, but literally I do not remember their messages within a couple of days. How funny. They're not for me. They're for that person. How funny. They just kind of, yeah, they just kind of leave me as far as that goes. But as soon as she got. Well, and like you've, like you've told me, like they're not meant for you. You're just there as a, you're a delivery vehicle. Right. You know, I can hear you. So Mm -hmm. here's your, here's your messages. They mean nothing to me. Yeah. Here you go. And he didn't need any soul therapy or healing. That's one of the things I learned from shamanism about some need kind of some soul therapy and stuff. He didn't need any of that. Yeah. So I got the message, it passed along and he still didn't leave. And I'm like, mm, you know, all right. Going on. But, um, and Jim, I'd warned him, you know, we have a visitor. He's like, okay. <laughs> Cause he, he doesn't at, at that time, he still is like of the, 
kind of he he didn't think I was crazy for believing in ghosts and yeah. what I did about them, but he'd never heard, felt, or seen any. So, and he, in fact, at one point was right. like, I want to see one. I just want to see one and now. Um, so, and I want to know they're there. So we're sitting there on the couch with both our animals and behind us in the kitchen on the big, long uh, granite island is a spoon. And the spoon, yeah. we hear it start getting dragged across the island. And we look back and we're like, what in the hell? And this spoon goes all the way across the island and lands on the floor. So we're both like, uh, okay. And Jim's like, what the hell? And I'm like, I told you we have a visitor. And he's like, um, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm really comfortable with that now. Now this is uncomfortable. I'm like, you're the one that said you wanted to know if they really existed. <laughs> Yeah, you threw down the challenge, man. He's here. He heard you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't long after that that he left. I think uh, that was just kind of his final parting goodbye, really. It was kind of funny. Um, so, that's hilarious. Yeah, so I, I'm not always closed off, but I definitely put out there like when I'm open for business and when I'm closed yeah. for business so that yeah. I'm not just getting, you know, lots of different odd things but over the years i've had several different things um happen like that you would know (laughs) yeah yeah wild okay so one of my other questions that i had for you so like for really it was sort of for growing up around this and then especially embracing this as an adult how has it changed like how you think about life and death like, what does that look like now versus before you really leaned into this? So that's a really tough question, even though I've done all this stuff and I have these beliefs. But I 100% believe our spirits part with our bodies when we die and our spirits live on. Does that make me feel yeah. better about dying? No. <laughs> I like <No>. living. <laughs> really like this side. I'm good with this side of the equation. <laughs> Even with all the struggles I go through, I still like this life. Um, I, I still, yeah, I still want to live. Um, but it does at least give me insight of like, well, at least when I move on, I can, I can look after, you know, other people that I care for and watch out for them. Because I know my, I have ancestors and guardian angels that look after me. And I believe everybody does, um, as long as they're open to it. Do you think that's part of it? You have to be willing to accept that that is there for it to be able to affect you. But yeah, if if you can find it in yourself to take the leap of faith that spirit still exists, um, it can help a lot. Because I swear, not just my um, spirit helpers exist in guardian angels, but so does like gyms and they can, they can talk to each other. Like my angels can talk to his angels um, and my spirit helpers, you know, my ancestors can talk to his ancestors. So even in times of difficult communication, I've actually leaned on them to help. And it's, it was wow, funny. Um, yeah. So it's like, talk about next, next level thinking about that. <laughs> No. Well, like okay, I mean, but we all we're okay. But remember, like we're so self-centered. Like we're, I mean, it's just who we, we're just humans. Mm-hmm. But 
it literally would never have occurred to me to recruit my mom to talk to Rob's mom because like yeah. I don't like just that thought had never occurred to me. I'm like, oh my God, how cool is like just the it's that like, you know, literally, okay, next level thinking. Okay, I get this. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know when in my process that realization hit me that like, wait a second. They can probably, and they do. They're not just hanging out with you all the time. Yeah. And I gave it a shot because I was having, we were having trouble communicating and I just didn't know where to go from there. And I I just like, oh my God, angels, I need help. And I'm like, okay, maybe you can talk to his angels and, you know, like help him see my point of view and help me see his point of view better. And that's come to it like a, a, a better communication between the two of us on this matter. And sure yeah. enough, it worked. Wow. On days and then on days where he's having a rough time with things, I'll be like, I need your help. Jim's yeah. angels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> help me take care of him. Yep. <laughs> yeah yeah oh wow (laughs) wow i love it i've been thinking about your book so i want to know how long you've been working on your book oh my god 20 years i (laughs) yeah so the weird (laughs) i know super long so we got out of the military and one of the other things i had didn't have time to do when we're in the military was read and I found, yeah. discovered the mists of Avalon. <laughs> and yep. I fell in love with that book. And it was really kind of bizarre as I was reading the book. These different like story plots and lines were like popping into my head. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So I just kind of, you know, took note, actually, while I was reading, I <laughs> jotted down some things. Yeah. And then it was kind of weird, too, because I read, um, if anybody listening to this ever um, has not read this book, it's called Soul Retrieval. And it is fabulous. It goes through soul therapy, basically. It talks to you about what soul therapy is and how your soul works. So you have to be open to things, obviously, about considering what your soul might be and how it's comprised. But um, in that book, it would talk about different things. And it would actually make me flash back to moments in my life that I discovered needed healing. I needed to heal from these different moments. And that just reading that book was therapy, which is why I suggest anybody read it. Yeah. That kind of was happening, you know, in an indirect way when I started reading Miss of Avalon. And I'm like, oh, because there's different things. Um, I grew up Roman Catholic and there's different stories and stuff that I grew up with. And there's some things where I was like, you know, how I talked about the moments where something hits me and I'm like, oh, my husband's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. One Easter. Yeah. So we were doing the passion um, play one year. Yeah. And I got hit with the, this isn't how it happened. And this isn't what it meant. (laughs) So (laughs) I. Not really the well received story in that moment. Oh my God. You know, where you stand up and say, yo. (laughs) Right. And I remember I turned to my mom in church and I'm like, they need to stop saying this. And she's like, shh. I'm like, but this isn't what they meant. 
this isn't what any of it meant. And she's like, shh. And again, I was like, shut down. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. Um, so I, uh, anyway, while I'm reading Miss of Avalon, that, that moment, moment popped into my head and it kind of became the impetus of, of the story I wrote. Cause I ended up writing what I called it Magdalene, Magdalene memoirs. It was like the memoirs of Magdalene Mary. Yeah. And it was really yeah. long and really boring and, um, <laughs> except for me. <laughs> and then it sat for many years. I hired some editor to go through it, which they ripped apart, which was great. But, um, I just kind of was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't meant to be published. And so it sat for many years. Yeah. And then I, Jim started working graves and swings. And so I didn't see him that much at all. So when he was yeah. at work, I started writing. I'm like, I picked it back up and I started writing some more and um, developing character lines. And I worked on it for a good number of years and then it sat again. And yeah. so fast forward to... <laughs> three years ago and um, I'm like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna make it into a book I'm just gonna it was just daunting because it was too long the, the darn thing yeah. was at least eight eight novels long um so <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous so I chopped it in half and I was like okay I'm gonna focus on on this portion yeah. and I can even leave it in the series there if I wanted to so I then chopped up into proper fours and I started the first one. And as I was redoing novel one, I, I started getting fascinated with mythology um, and my desire to study a dying language. Cause when I graduated with a linguistics degree, I really wanted to study an ancient language that was dying. Um, and that yeah. of course didn't happen, but, uh, so then I was like, well, I looked at my ancestry and I'm very Celtic and my soul and heart is very heavy. Yeah. Celtic. Um, I'm, I'm Irish, heavily Irish. I'm Scottish. Um, I then discovered that there was Welsh, um, in my ancestry yeah. and I went on this tour of Northwest England with Jim and, it was the perfect catalyst for me. I, I remembered this trip because during it, yeah. I just, well, there were ghosts. <laughs> I came up with yes. Oh I'm my sure God, there's a lot of ghosts in your house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like running around everywhere. Dead people over there. Oh my God. <laughs> it was funny. Um, so, but we went through uh, different areas in Cornwall and really spoke to me. Wales spoke to me a ton, but our tour didn't go there. And I, as we drove by yeah. it, we could see it over the waterway. And I'm like, I really need yeah. to get there. I still have yet to get there. But there was a lot of history there that then fed into my ideas of this book series. And I'm like, okay, yeah. this is so Avalon. I'm like, okay. I'm like, Magdalene. Okay. She's from Avalon. And I just started pushing it from there. Um, and then yeah, I wanted to do the the language thing as I mentioned. So then I decided, well, I'm going to learn Welsh yeah. then because I'm going to put Welsh in it because yeah, t- uh, territorial wise, where I decided, you know, Avalon could have been and um, yeah. some other factors. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on Wales and I'm going to to learn Cymraeg, and so I got on Duolingo and started learning yeah. it. I, that program is awesome. If anybody wants to learn a language, get on Duolingo. It's free. 
Uh, it's just insane. Rob's learning Irish. (laughs) Oh, oh, awesome. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm just totally, um, super excited that I'm, I'm learning Kamarag and I, I started putting it into the book. I started just researching the heck out of, um, different mythological characters and different, um, sayings that are there. I'm part of a Facebook group that is awesome about like when I'm trying to get my, my Welsh correct. Cause uh, mm-hmm. many things I'm writing in there are not within the purview of a first year, second year. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. You're going through more complex right. concepts. <laughs> and then the lingo that I want to, uh, of the areas and like terms like BAPs or like little sweet rolls that, around yeah. Wales, but you're in in the US, if someone mentions, hey, I'm gonna go eat a bap, they they're like, what's that? So, right. <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm inserting things like that into it. So it's very um the book is now it's my way of contributing to an ancient language language that was dying. Um yeah. it's not yeah. dying as much now because there's a great big awesome push to revive it, which is awesome. Um but this is my way of helping preserve it and get people interested in it because I just put, um, it's not like every line is, is, um, Welsh, but it's got different, different words. And I, I hate right. to call it this, but it's like Wanglish. There's Wanglish in it. I have, yes. <laughs> Welsh and English and yes. different, um, simple words to help people adjust to, um, Welsh. I, added yeah. words for daughters is Merck and I, I put those in there so yeah. that yeah. you have the different things. Yeah. In there. So it, it's heavy with, with, uh, territorial stuff. I, it's history, history, historical. <laughs> and God, I can't believe it. Yeah. So it's placed in the late iron age and, um, yeah. It's when tribes still exist around there. So uh, historically, I took the tribes that are there and a yeah. little bit of the politics of the time um, get inserted into it to give it a background. And I had those four four novels. I got the first one full, um, like ready for beta. And yeah. then I started wanting to do, well, I love these mythological characters. So I'm like, I'll, I'll create a, a, a novella. You know, like your shorter thirty to fifty thousand yeah. word, um, and that. So I'm I'm going to do that with the different mythological characters that also utilizes some of the characters out of the novel. So the novellas yeah. are are easily standalone reads if you want, but I'm writing them right. so that if you read every single like the first novella, first novel, yeah. second novella, second novel, and so on, it it yeah. will give you even more um, background and information yeah. into the different How characters. Fun. Uh, it got me yeah. really excited because I'm like, I, I read one creation story, a Greek mythology creation story. And I was like, that's genius to write a creation story. Yeah. So yeah, I, there's, there's so many different things you can do with writing, but yeah, I'm totally stoked, but I need to, I got that first one beta read and now I'm going through doing a little bit of um, 
well, I'm doing line editing and a little bit of content editing because I'm like, I am an artist at heart and it's kind of horrible. And I'm like my worst enemy when it comes to trying to say a project is finished. (laughs) Yeah, it's never done. Just accept it's never done. Yeah. Uh, So do you have a real, do you have a release date? Do you have an idea when you want to get it out there? Realistically, I think I'm looking at 2023 to release the prequel novella. And then the novel itself, the first novel. And um, I was holding on. I to really it. don't want to wait that long. Can you get on with it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for feeling that while you're saying that. Makes me feel good. Okay, so Marla, but Marla, like hands down. So like, I think that your book that I beta read is absolutely one of the best books I've read in like the last three years. That amazes me only because. I know you read, you're smart, and you read good books. And it's hard for me to believe that I wrote something that anyone would think that of. But see, like, I want to know what happens next. Like, literally, I'm sitting around waiting for the next book, and this is a little irritating. (laughs) 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 But I also want to share it. Like, I want to share your book with other people. And and I'm excited for when I get to do that. Well, so that when you're ready to release, we'll, we'll do a whole nother podcast and just use it as promo. That, that makes me feel so good that you actually felt that way. And it's kind of funny because when I, I get beta reader input, I literally, I get input and you guys um, gave me some, a few things that I did some tweaks on, but I'm like, they're not ripping it apart. I really, it's really good. Marla. Well, I still expect people to rip it apart. I'm like, I guess I should stop thinking that, not manifest that. I guess because <laughs> I want to, I want to publish the best possible novel I can, and I want every yes. single series, uh, every novella, and every novel in sequence to be fascinating and bring people back because they really like the characters and the story, and it, it keeps them going. You're I, there. Wow. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're there. It's an it's an excellent story. It's well constructed. It has great flow and character development. It really places you in the time with enough information. I'm glad that you, the yeah, I think the only feedback could be flesh flesh out around the historical stuff a little bit more just so that I understand it even better, but I don't feel like yeah. it was a gap. That's okay. just a part that could be richer if you want it to be. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but it's it's a really good book, Marla. Just the way it is. Just you know, even the beta version you gave me, it was excellent. Okay, thank you. That's good. Feedback. And I'm ready for the next. Makes me feel a little bit better because like, like, well, and I still have days where I'm like, am I am I being silly spending so much time on this? Because I have a full time job, right? So this is like <laughs> yes. every evening. Every single evening, I am writing, and every time we go somewhere, Jim is the one that only drives it. I love him so much. He doesn't bitch or complain or anything about the fact that I'm over there writing the whole time he's he's driving. So uh, he's just such a good support system for it. He's amazing. He hasn't read any of it. He, he sits there and feels guilty because he just isn't a reader. And yeah. <laughs> he's like, I feel bad. I'm like, look, you are driving and letting me write. You know, and and you're letting me write in the evening, so I'm like, uh, yeah. But like the cool thing for me, one of the coolest things for me, it. I mean, I figured there was some Avalon stuff in there because it was obvious in a good way. Okay. Um, but for me, like, I I feel like I've finally found the next book worth reading after that. 
Oh my gosh, that is awesome to hear. <laughs> because I love that book. And okay. I've kind of read around that genre and most of it's just not really my thing. And I feel like yours, yours just stepped out of that and walked off on its own in its own strong direction. Like just, oh no, here we are. Yeah, you know that story. We're going right now. <laughs> it does take a hard right. <laughs> but it but it but it makes sense. And I feel like having read that book helped me understand your book. And enough people have read that book that it's not just going to be me. I mean, that book was a transformational book for a lot of people. So it was a good having book. that as a baseline is amazing. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so welcome. I will, I, I, I want to, so you, you're going to hate to hear this, but I was planning on releasing it in 2022, but I think I, you should release it in 2022. Well, I can get try on with the other one. I will try get on with the other one. Here's what know. happened. I, I, yeah. uh, was, I'm always doing research on how to like, cause I'm doing indie publishing. I don't yeah. have the patience to try and do traditional publishing. Cause it's such a big thing. If I knew the right person and the right person knew me well, with, with rent on demand, there really isn't any point. I think largely, yeah, because I keep hearing they make you do your own publish, public publicity anyway. So, yeah, I, so I have a friend I'm going to introduce you to who's published a couple of her own books. So if you just want another person to talk to you about it, always I'll put the two of you guys together. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah always. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to support indie authors by I'm reading a lot of their books and posting reviews. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. I was going to do it in 2022, and then I watched a presentation and it made a lot of sense they're like before you release your first novel you should release a magnet um story and they're like it can be a sh a, just a novella sure it briefly introduces all the characters and um some your book doesn't need that marla i i didn't think so but this is the thing and i was it was so funny I, I i watched that and i'm like oh man and i was like heartbroken i'm like damn i gotta write another book but within a half a day I was like, wait a second. You had it done. Oh my God. I had an outline, like all the, a bunch of plot points written out. I had an outline yeah. and I'm like, cause there's another mythological character I wanted to highlight. And I'm like, I can totally highlight that one in this. And then, and then it gives like, yeah. So it gives like a really good prequel vibe to novel one. So yeah. yeah now I'm like, so that's why I'm like, you're going to hate to hear this because I, um, That's okay. Over. I get more to read, so I'm okay. So okay. as we get more to read in the okay. meantime, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> over Christmas, I I actually wrote the entire outline, chapter by chapter, with the plot points, and then yesterday, um, I began typing out. Evening, I began typing out the first chapter, and I'm like, I get so excited when I start writing. I love editing. Nobody likes editing. Editing can be like, uh, oh my God. And then you look at like bad sentences you wrote and you're like, oh my God, who wrote that? A child? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I love, I love the free flow of editing um, or excuse me, of writing from scratch. Cause it just, it's so fun. And the, the yeah. ideas and how I can like link things together and weave stories together just gets me all excited. So I, yeah. I'm super excited about this. And I went from like heartbroken. of like, Oh man, I got to write it, write some kind of like 
magnet and then to like oh yes this is gonna be oh, awesome. i'm ready for this <laughs> I love yeah. it. and it does make me happy because it actually is um granted you, you'll still be able to read the novels without reading these um different novellas but if yeah. you do it's going to give you so much more depth to some of the characters that you really can't well, and do. It's just, there's and then- so much taste, but you get a feel for your writing, which is really what people are after is do I enjoy your writing period, you know, yep. and you're a really good writer. And that's coming from somebody who sucks at writing. I am quite capable of it, but it's not where I shine. <laughs> I shine verbally and with my sewing machine. So yeah, you I've got do. lots of other you stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just like, but writing is something that's never been my happy place. Like I'm, I'm capable there, but mm-hmm. it's not something that brings me joy. And so like, I'm so excited that it does for you. And I'm so thrilled to have read your book. And I've read so many of my friends' books and yours is absolutely the, the one that I am the most excited about actually being published so I can give it to people. Oh, thank you. That, so, that makes oh me feel good. That's so, I need that encouragement and it, it makes me feel good because seriously, I still have days where I'm like, am I just wasting my time? Are people going to read this and be like, oh, this is a pile of crap. I just lost you know, like so many hours so, of my so life. The next, so the next time you, you question if you're wasting your time, you can remind yourself, Tracy's feeling impatient. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I want more. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that means something to me. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. So I know that you've got kind of a hard stop at three. So I want to respect your time and say thank you for being one of my first guests. And I'm thank excited you. to see where this is going to go because this was something that was just, you know, you get it. It's not optional. <laughs> this is that <laughs> thing that just showed up. It, it, up. it, it showed up done. and hit you in the face with, hey, you're going to do a podcast. I am. <laughs> Yeah, you can do a podcast, you do a podcast now. Like, and, and it was like, oh, cool. And then I'm like, well, I don't know anything about how to do any of that. And then one of my friends is like, well, here, here's all the resources you need. And I'm like, okay, there, there you go. here we go. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's great. Um, if you get around to doing like themed ones, if you do like around Halloween ghost stories, you know who to come to. Yes. Well, and really it's the, I've, the big guidance I've been getting about this whole project is just, just stop thinking about it. Mm. Just do it because it's been the, when I get kind of stuck in thinking about what am I going to do? How's it going to go? They're just like, just do it. That's so weird. People on the phone. So that's so weird. That's been coming to me too. Like I, I, I don't know where I saw it the other day, but it hit me. Like it hit me. Like we're talking about it. It just hit me. The statement was made. Just say yes and figure it out later. And I've not, that's not how I grew up. And that's not how I've always looked at life. And suddenly with several things now, I'm like, just say yes, just say yes. I'm a capable person. Just say yes. And so that's so cool that you're getting the same message right now. Yeah, totally. So I am actually writing down Halloween ghost stories because we will totally do that. Because <laughs> that will be really fun. Yeah, I want to do a ghost stories episode with you. There's there's a couple. Yep. So, <laughs> so think about how you'd like to tell them and we'll do that in for October. Okay. <laughs> Sounds awesome. good. And then maybe we can do your book launch at the same time. Hint, hint. 
I know. And there's definitely like, oh my God. Um, one of the ones, the novella, I, the one, the novella I wrote in uh, November is yeah. the total Halloween time frame one. Um, See? For sure. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have yeah. something you can release. <laughs> and then we can promote it. And like then, cause ideally like, you know, this is, you know, I've been, all the stuff I've got around this has been just, just get on with it because it's, it's a bigger project than I realize for other. It, there's just a, a lot of other attached to this. So gotcha. I'm excited and terrified. Well, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I understand the terrified part, but once you start getting comfortable, like, um, with with the project itself, that terrified yeah. feeling will go. And, and maybe there's some things you still need to adjust that will remove that because that's what I finally realized with the novel series. There was something I was really uncomfortable with doing, and it was one of the um, one of the bigger plots that shows up in two, in three and four. And I finally realized I'm not comfortable with that, and it doesn't need to be there. My story grew so much, and the characters grew so much now. And I'm like, I don't even need that there. I'm like completely yeah. cutting it out. So <laughs> nice. No, but that's important. That's yeah. Important. Being able to adjust to what and paying attention to what you are or are not comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go, my friend. Thank you so much. For Thank you. Thank you for the time. And uh, so excited when I, when we get it all produced and ready, I'll send it off to you. Okay, cool. It's been fun. Thanks. Take care of you. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Good Life Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at goodlifestories.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Please subscribe and consider rating and reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help others connect to us. Who do you know with a good life story? I would love to hear from you. Good life stories, creating connection one story at a time.